A few weeks back, we did a draft of the top WBA players 25 years old or younger. Today, we'll rank the top five young cores in the W, as well as cover various things across WBA's preseason and training camp. Lottelman's basketball starts now. Ogumbawale for the win! You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. You are Lottelman's basketball. My name is Cedric Pierce. I'm a Saturday host covering the WBA draft and college basketball at large. Thanks for making Lottelman's basketball your first listen every day. And remember, Lottelman's basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. I'm joined by my co-host, M. Adler. M is a BR for Seattle Storm and heads our written coverage of the WBA draft at thenexttube.com. Lincoln also covers NBA draft and has a great eye for contextualizing prospects within their collegiate systems and breaking down the biomechanical side of basketball. You can follow him at Dovienya underscore on Twitter. All right. So if you're listening on YouTube uh, in the comments, let us know who you believe has the best young core in the league right now. But okay. M, I'll give it to you first. I guess, how should we format this? Do you want to just go go down the line with your top five? And we can see how ours goes. Uh, I will definitely start off with my top one or two because I think we work okay. out pretty similar on, on, on those pages. Uh, my number one is Indiana, pretty pretty solidly. They have the best young player in the league uh, in the OE Boston, which is one of the very youngest players in the league and is also one of the game's like, premier elite upside talents. We've talked about her so much in the show, but beyond her, you have Melissa Smith, who, you know, maybe we're lower on her right now after sort of an, a, a very up and down, but in many ways promising uh, rookie season. Still a lot of upside there, uh, you know, regardless of what angle you're coming from. And, and behind her, you know, we have uh, Queen Agbo and Destiny Henderson, I think, have already proven themselves to be rotation caliber backup players in the league, very solid uh, role players in this league. We, but, and then Taylor Mikesell, Grace Berger, Lexi Hall, you have uh, some young players with uh, a real genuine shot at becoming uh, core contributors and upside players in this league. Then at number two, are we in agreement on Atlanta here? I have Atlanta number two. Mm-hmm. Hunter, you want to talk I also to you have Atlanta court? number two. Yeah, so in the next segment, we'll go deeper into the preseason involving these players. But right now, Atlanta has uh, arguably the second best player. Um, it's up for contention between her and Sabrina Ionescu and Ryan Howard. Um, Atlanta also has this year's number second two. best second best player among like young rookie contracts. Yes, players. among players on yeah. rookie contracts. Uh, we also have Haley Jones, the number six pick this year. We also have Ari McDonald, their third year guard, I believe. They, we also have on this list for Atlanta, uh, Letitia Me here. Um, they also have Leah Brown. Um, which is which is basically the core. They also have Ileana Rupert as well um, as their overseas project four five mix that can spread the floor. Um, just a little bit of a mix of everything that she kind of provides there. But I think the top two is like a clear separator from there. Indiana has, I think, Atlanta. Indiana has more depth with the young players. They also have the best player, but I think Atlanta has a weird collection of players. Like. <laughs> 
the best way to describe Atlanta is they really just don't have a lot of shooting in their young core besides Ryan Howard and uh, Aaron McDonald, who even Aaron McDonald is shaky at times. Um, They're very strongly taking the, taking the men's NBA approach of, you know, we'll take the best athletes and we'll take the best uh, projections and the shooting will be the easiest thing for us to work out. We'll see if that's what happens with them. If it, if it does happen that they can teach players to shoot pretty easily. And we're looking at, you know, a lot of, a lot of dart throws that can combine for a really unmatched level of of athleticism and uh, competitive versatility. Uh, but, you know, as, as it currently stands, Indiana, we know there's a lot more skill there at the moment. So, Lincoln, who, who, are you, who do you have at number three? Yeah, at number three, um, I went with the Seattle Storm. Um, I think that Ezzy Magvigar is one of the best players under the age of 25. Her um, defensive upside is through the roof. Uh, I'm really high on Jade Melbourne, the 20-year-old Australian point guard that uh, is going to get a lot of run for them this season. Uh, and I know that we're all pretty high on Jordan Horston, too, who mm-hmm. brings uh, defensive versatility. She can guard at the point of attack. She's uh, got some weak side help skills. And she can really guard like one through three and a half in the WNBA. And uh, I think those three players uh, bring a lot of versatility, a lot of uh, talent, and a lot of uh, defensive upside. Yeah, I I think I'm I think I probably have more concerns about Jade's maybe shooting defense, which is why I'm a little lower on her. But I I had Seattle in my top five. I had them as my number five. My number three was my number three was Seattle, or, or not Seattle. My number my number three was New York. Um, you know, much smaller sort of core that we're talking about here than the other teams. It's basically at the moment just it's it's two rotation players and Sabrina Rescue and Han Shu. But these are already players where one of them is probably going to be an all an all W caliber player this year and for a few more years to come. Han Zhu is a, is a genuine sixth player of the year candidate, just an elite offensive player. And between Sikikone and Nayara Sabali, you know, you've got two players who've looked good in the preseason. We'll talk about that more in the next segment. But both players who, you know, I think at this point have a really good shot to be um, genuine contributors at this level. Um, but for, but it's just the having those two solid, proven talents already on the roster. Um, Obviously, Maureen Johannes is excellent, but she's, despite being on a rookie scale, um, on, on a rookie scale team control, she's she's too old for this uh, debate. Hunter, who do you have at number three? I also have Seattle at number three on my list. I, I think with Seattle, I value just the, just the depth of their young core. I believe there's not yeah. a, there's not a massive gap for mm-hmm. me between. Um, like you could argue, I think, yes, yeah, Sabrina, you'd rather have on a team, but I think both players are not going to be number ones, like pretty much. You're talking about Sabrina and Ezzy? I don't think, I don't think either are number one caliber players on like a championship team, but I think with Ezzy, you get, you pair her with Horson, who we had like a 55 future value grade. Then you also have Jade, who has really looked like one of the best young guards in the world. And she's only 20 that, uh, I value that as well, but I, um, moving it forward, though, I had yeah, I, was, I had New York at number four. Super small mm-hmm. gap. Sikakone, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of stuff to like with her. She's still only 20 years old. It just it's unfortunate for me that she's on New York as good as as good as the situation that is to like practice against some of the best players in the world. From an on court standpoint, if she does break the roster, she's probably not anywhere close to the rotation, at least on a consistent game-by-game basis. 
So if she is if she doesn't make the roster, I'd be shocked if nobody signed her. Like where where are you guys at on that? Like with her game. And how yes, it's funny. It's awesome oh, sorry, to watch. How she brings <laughs> like tremendous rim pressure uh from anywhere on the court. Uh she moves really well and um she's really strong too. And uh, she might be a little bit undersized to play at the four in the WNBA, which is probably her natural position. But um, I think she's really strong, and she moves pretty well for um, a four. And I think that she is definitely a WNBA caliber player. Yeah. So who'd you, who'd you guys have? Roster construction, they clearly have to make a choice in that sort of fourth big spot between – Mia Arsabali and Sikakone, unless they're basically going to carry no bench guards outside of Kayla Thornton and uh, Marine Johannes. One of them is going to hit the market. One of them is or be sort of like a dump-off trade right at the end of camp, and some team's going to get pretty lucky with that pickup. But, Hunter, so you had New York uh, four. Who do you have five? This, I have, this, I think, is where we went different directions. I have Dallas at number five here. With Dallas, they have Satu. They also have Awakwir. They have this year's lottery pick, Maddie Segrist. And then they also have like Lou Lopez, Seneschal. They have some other pieces on the back end, like mm-hmm. Veronica Burton, who is someone I was extremely high on in last year's draft. I had her number four overall. I think with Satu, I mean, she's nicknamed the unicorn for a reason. Such a unique prospect. Whenever she entered the, entered the league, even still is. The biggest concern for her is just availability being able to consistently play in the league. But outside of that, like Maddie Segrist, I'm still a little bit wary of like her actual value to playoff basketball, which is probably why I value New York over. Um, Cause I think Sika Kone and if she sticks, I think there's a chance that her skill set could potentially be more valuable to winning. Um, in addition to, um, to Han as well. I think those type players at their size, their unique skill sets. I think those are um, just, probably where I would lead there. But where is where do y'all go after number three? Where do y'all go at number three, uh, M? Uh, after three, I mean, you can – I also have New York at four. Um, and at five, I can see the argument for Dallas or I can see the argument for the Mystics. It's kind of – uh, whether you value the just the top end talent or the depth, because Dallas definitely has more pieces, um, but more pieces that probably aren't at a, as high of a level as um, the only like two players at, in Washington, in Shakira Austin and Emily Angsler, who both are already at in their like age twenty three seasons, like plus WNBA defenders. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I think that undersells Shakira Austin. So, so, so to be clear, I have I have Washington up at number three. Washington playing number three because, you know, the the other teams we're talking about, they have, uh, or sorry, number four. I had New York number three, Washington number four, because you know when it comes to Seattle, when it comes to Dallas, I have Dallas just after Seattle at number six. Um, we, we have a lot of we have a lot more dart throws there and a lot more chances to hit on players. And I really like Satu with a walk where it's difficult. Because we see the skill, but we also, you know, she's been in a she's been in an environment that has been really, really bad for her development and most players' development, frankly. But with Washington, you know, it's it's basically just two players. But like you were saying, of those two players, just calling Shakira Austin a plus defender undersells her. With 
how incredibly good she was as an off-ball uh, offensive player at the five last year and being one of the best defensive centers in the league. She, she's genuinely on a borderline Hall of Fame case as it currently is. There just aren't players who come in at that level th- that we see on any sort of regular basis. The the polish of the game and the skill was is was generally unbelievable. And then Emily Angsley, you know, is already, like you said, a plus defender. And there's a lot of offensive skill that can, that really can be developed there. So you so to recap here, my list, I had Indiana at number one, Atlanta at number two, Seattle at number three, New York at number four, and then Dallas at number five. M, what was your list? Yeah, we all had we all had Indiana and Atlanta one two. I then went with New York, Washington, and Seattle. And three, four, five for me was uh, Seattle and New York. And I think Emma's convinced me that I'm going to go with Washington at five. <laughs> All right, there we go. So after the break, we'll dive into some preseason reactions and thoughts from rookies and second-year players. And we're back. I'm your host, Under Cruz, and we appreciate you for making lots of moments of basketball. Your first listen every day. Every day, we're going to join Missy Heydrich back on Monday as well as on Tuesday as Jackie Powell and Isabel Rodriguez continue into part two of their WNBA power rankings series. Okay. Let's start here on that note with Washington. Uh, what if, what have you guys guys seen from Emily Angsler so far? Because there were some um, like some, we were, I think we were all skeptical of the injuries because it didn't really make any sense at all for Indiana to cut a player that they invested a lottery pick into for, no particular reason, particular reason that we saw um, in the public eye. It appears that you can take Tamika Catchings out of the Indiana front office, but you can't t- <laughs> you can't take the Indiana front office away from Tamika Catchings because look, they are playing. I mean, we are watching as we record Dallas and Indiana play preseason game right now. Indiana is playing a bunch of players who are just who are just demonstrably worse right now than Emily Angsler is, and appear to have lower ceilings than Emily Angsler has right now. Washington, as soon as she got there, Washington, you know, they put her through, you know, they had their team doctors take a look. They, they okayed her. She had some limitations in practice, but, you know, right now, as we record, if they, if, the, if opening day was tomorrow, she could play uh, a full backup load minutes for them based on where they've, cleared, where they've cleared her. And looking at the preseason game, she does not look very limited at all. She looks m- much of the same player we saw last year. She looks even more comfortable floating within that offensive system, having to create less because you know she's surrounded with better talent when she's playing with some of those starters. And you can see that especially, I think, on the defensive end, where you know part of the reason she stood out last year was because of how many things Indiana was just screwing up on a regular basis on defense. And in this system, it's going to be it's really exciting the kind of help defense she's providing. Yeah, and offensively, I think that she's, like, a really important connecting piece. She's a plus passer at the four. Uh, She has shown willingness to shoot threes, uh, and while she may not be the best three-point shooter in the world, she's, at worst, I think, like an average three-point shooter at the four. And uh, when you pair that with uh, all of her defensive upside, you get a really intriguing player to put next to Shakira Austin long-term. And beyond that, one of the biggest things, you know, both coming out of college and then after her uh, rookie season, because it was still there, was the problems with her finishing. She basically was a 
not a horrible, but a pretty mediocre finisher for reasons that were really hard to understand, but they were consistently there throughout college and through last year, just biffing pretty simple looks at the rim, which is especially surprising because she was often able to hit so many like complicated and impressive finishes. So far in the preseason, I, ha I generally have not seen her miss at the rim yet. And that's, that is huge for her development. If she can just become an averager or slightly above average finisher, that it plays everything up. Speaking of finishing, Elena Cheneke, um against, <laughs> she struggled as a finisher in the game against Minnesota, but overall in preseason, what have you guys saw from her? Because when we're usually talking about second round picks, she really probably needed to like pop like in preseason to have like a legitimate chance at cracking this roster. Maybe she does. I would still not gamble on that being a realistic outcome, but what have you guys seen from her? I'll give it to you, Lincoln. Yeah. Chineke, I, I don't think she really stood out in either of their games uh, as a, a super positive player or as really a negative player. I think she was, she was just fine uh, in those games. She struggled at the rim. She struggled, um, working against WNBA size and WNBA speed. And she's making a bigger jump than a lot of uh, the rookies this year coming from a mid-major school. Uh, of course, they played a very difficult schedule and they competed with even the best schools in the country last year at um, uh, South Florida. But she she didn't quite uh, pop off the screen enough for me to feel comfortable saying that she's a lock to make the Mystics roster. Yeah, I think I'd go in a similar direction with that. You know, she hasn't looked bad. There are a lot of times where she's looked like she's she belongs. Um, you know, I think more than uh, so some other rookies we've been sitting around different camps and different preseason games. And so I'm not. I I don't think there should be concern much about her fit at this level. Um, just in terms of you know, can she play to the speed of the game? The the shooting lines look. Look, you know, mediocre best, and a lot of that is just sort of because of the flow of the offense, the ball. You know, th there are lineups she's playing in where uh, Shatori Walker Kimbrough is doing a lot, is supposed to be doing a lot of creation. The ball is in her hands a lot. There are similar times where the ball was in uh, Justin Jones's hands, and I don't think either of those players have necessarily significantly outplayed her in the preseason either. I think they've all probably looked about the same. Um, maybe with the exception of Shorty Walker Kimber looking a bit more competent on defense than either of those two. So I think it's it's a, it's a different concern than the stat line would indicate, just that the ball is not finding her as much, especially when we're talking about a player who is more of a sort of combo guard, runs a good two-man game, as opposed to someone who you know is your primary playmaker. So in that sense, it's a little concerning that the, off, that, that, that the ball isn't able to find her in the off-ball game as much. And I feel like when the ball has found her, I feel like she's been rushing her shots. Like she's had some pretty bad misses. Yes. Um, in these which, is, which is really normal. It's, for, yeah, it's, for it's, a it's a normal rookie thing. But when it comes to having a, a tight roster, because I don't believe Washington can roster a full 12 either. They cannot. So like it's, it's super tough to consider. She needs more reps, and I don't know if Washington will be able to provide that, uh, especially if they prefer – a near 40-year-old guard in Christy Tolliver um, in that spot. But after the break, we'll, we'll continue going into some other directions. Atlanta, uh, there was some interesting stuff that happened in their game against, against Connecticut. Uh, but, yeah, Atlanta's got some interesting ways of going. 
we also have Minnesota, and we also have um, the Liberty. The Liberty, we talked about the players earlier, but uh, I know Lincoln want to talk touch on one more player in that game. Okay, and we're back. Let's let's get into Atlanta first. Haley Jones. There were some interesting flashes in this game, but nothing that was too different from what we saw in college, especially the transition creation, being able to find cutters in the back door, being able to, I don't know, find kickout shooters, being able to do sort of the sort of the stuff that we've been accustomed to seeing from her. But what did you guys see in general, like from her processing? Um, and then also the jump shot. I know she took a three-pointer in this game. Um, yeah, just start off there. Yeah, I mean, going off the going off what you said about the college game, you know, in terms of the skills, in terms of what she's doing, it, it, it looks very much the same, obviously, as most players are. But I think in contrast to Shineke, where, you know, she was wrestling some shots overall, the, the speed of the game did not appear to be overwhelming her too much. I think with Haley Jones, it very much appeared to to sort of to sort of you know take take her by, take take her out of it. And there were a lot of times where I mean you can even look at the number of turnovers. You can look at I think she went 0 for 9 from two. It was it, it was rough, frankly, her trying to find her space within the game and trying to get a rhythm, trying to get off shots. There were a number of times where you saw her go into actions you know, starting at starting just below the elbow and, and where she take a f- few dribbles, post a player towards the cup and, and take a turnaround shot over them in college. No, she was just rushing to take one dribble, turn around. It's just not good process for her. And, you know, I don't think that reflects on her as a player, but it's it's going to be an adjustment for her probably based on what I've seen. And then also Letitia Me here. I think she was probably the main standout for me. She did have the fouls, but... In general, I'm not too worried about just rookies fouling. Uh, I think it's a process. Um, And for her, I think we saw some creation flashes, getting downhill um, in transition, just the movement abilities. We've talked about it before. Uh, Her size, her length, her versatility, her coordination as well. Um, I thought there was that one play where she blocked Elena Deladon, which is super fun. Um, Diamond Miller also did the same as well, so. Uh, I don't know if we should take too much from that. Just two elite athletes um, in general. But yeah, Lincoln. Yeah, I wanted to say where, you know, D- Diamond Miller obviously looked. Um, D- Diamond Miller obviously looked very athletic in their game uh, against Washington to start off. Although, uh, but you clearly see like the, you know, the speed of the game presenting an issue and, and the defensive issues that we noted before. I was really impressed with Letitia and me here being, you know, her first assignment as a professional was in in part, uh, guard Elena Teladon. And she and she, she did pretty well. She slipped with her through a lot of stuff. She was contesting shots. She was just bothering her. I was very impressed. Yeah, LA was, I think, probably the best rookie in the Mystics and uh, Dream preseason game. And I don't think it was particularly close. She was playing really good defense. She was pre- providing some, some help defense, uh, playing one-on-one defense with Teladon. And grabbing offensive rebounds, uh, drawing fouls, and uh, driving to the rack. And uh, that, that uh, system allowing her to play more of a the role of a traditional big might be uh, really helpful for her offensively, especially as she's uh, coming into the WNBA and still trying to develop her skills and develop uh, an, out, an offensive game outside of the paint. 
and um, allowing her to just kind of stand in the dunker spot and uh, be more of a vertical spacer and an offensive rebounder is something that will allow her to stay on the floor and showcase her defensive skills. And I think sort of on the other side of things, I was really impressed uh, offensively with, with, uh, with Leah Brown. She was on the ball a lot at Michigan, obviously, having basically to play point guard last year, despite you know, being more of a wing. And so I was really impressed and a, a little surprised by the quality of her off-ball offensive game, both as a connected passer. You, you know, we, we know from Michigan how, how good her passing, like raw passing ability is. But, you know, as just being a connected passer and being able to move the defense off the ball, fill gaps, set screens, command the backside of the offense and whatnot, I was – I was genuinely very impressed with what she's able to do. She hit a, th- she she took and hit a three. Uh, um, she might have missed another one, but it's it, it was certainly more uh, seemed a more willing shooter than she did at Michigan uh, from deep. And look, I, we know how little she, we we talked about it before the shot making or or lack thereof on Atlanta. I would be very disappointed if they didn't carry her just for you know they they, they need a shot maker off that bench. They don't have one without. Her. In Leah Brown's passing, like you said, uh, there was a couple cross-court passes she made that were extremely impressive for a player in their first professional game. Uh, yeah, that was one thing I noted as well. But let's get into Minnesota. Uh, we touched on Diamond Miller before, but Taylor Soul, I think, was um, another player. I'm not shocked that she looked like a WNBA player, but pretty clearly in this game, just her size – how she plays the game, being able to fill so many gaps, um, just the play finishing as well. I think that she's a clear WNBA player for me, and that's why we ranked her so highly on our board. But with Minnesota's roster battle right now, it's it's almost impossible to imagine them carrying all four rookies because like, how often does that happen? It's usually just teams that are – in the process of a major rebuild, don't have a lot of veteran veteran talent. You could look at New York. The you bubbles, just described the links. But they still have players like Caleb McBride. They still have players like Ariel Powers that are commanding roster spots in this on this team. They they do have those players commanding roster spots, but those aren't players who are going to be on their current contract when the links are next a title contender in one or two years. Cheryl Reeve has has very strongly alluded to this as much. You know, she talked about there being different considerations for who for who they come out of camp with and being on the roster. And I think that very strongly speaks to you know what they're going to do in terms of these roster decisions going forward. You know, uh, Natalie Achano being out uh, on account of uh, uh, having a child. Congratulations to her uh, with with that being forthcoming. But that leaves them with enough, another roster spot to make up with in the front court that allows them to be a little more versatile in what they can do. With who they can carry because they can replace her directly with a player at a not at a minimum salary. I think when we're looking at some of these players, I think for Sol and Dorka, it's very much competition with uh, your Demiris Dantes. To a lesser extent, Jessica Shepard. You know, they extended her last year. She 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 and Jess is a sort of proven contributor on offense. So you know, we will that that that's a fight for minutes. I think less than a fight for a roster spot, but with Dante's very much. When it comes to Beal, you know, they have the wing players um, who are, you know, on second contracts, you're looking at Rachel Bannon, you're looking at Bridget Carlton, that sort of thing. And these are players who, you know, 
are are positive W contributors, but to what extent does Cheryl Reeve and the Brain Trust there, you know, think that these are players who are going to be significant help to their next uh, attempt to get a to get a WNBA title? I don't know. They certainly have a lot more flexible. They certainly have some flexibility. You know, cut a point guard like Lindsey Allen if you're comfortable with being a little point guardless going into the season and carry rebuild and keep Carlton and Bannon if you want, something like that. But I think there's a, I think there's different avenues they can go here. And I think that they, I, and I would not pencil them in just to carry, you know, the best veterans they can. So what do you think the chances of them carrying all four rookies? If you have oh, like a oh, guess. Slim, to be clear. Yeah. I think it's highly likely that Dorothy Uhas makes the roster, but, Soul and Beal both making the roster would surprise me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, that they're going to carry one of those two, and I'm not sure which one the Lynx will pick. I think right now, if we're looking at players with offensive deficiencies, both being, I don't think either are great four spacers, um, despite despite the 40% number that Beal had in college, um, or the free throw numbers as well, I think we're looking at not two players... Because yeah, of yes, but I think we're looking at two players that are defense first, and I believe Taylor Soul is the better defender. Pretty clearly, I mean, yeah, we had her buffer on on the board. I think, I think the links is I I, I think the links have sort of been, you know, we know that Bria Villa gets more attention from you know on social media in large, in, m- mostly because of the, the the varying fan bases between those two teams. But I think it's notable. I'm not sure how notable, but I think it's notable to some extent that the Lynx have been including Green in more PR than, than Terry Soul, which is interesting despite the fact that Soul's getting minutes. There's not a huge difference in the minutes they're getting. And is there any other players you guys like to cover? I know um, Lincoln has <laughs> seen some fringy players, just the sicko <laughs> players that we want to touch on um, as well in this conversation. Yeah, I was really intrigued by uh, the Liberty and the Sun preseason game the other day. Um, the, the two rookies that survived the first round of cuts for the Sun were both undrafted rookies, uh, Caitlin Bickle and Jayla Everett. Both of them provide uh, some connective passing on the offensive end. Uh, both can shoot a little bit. Everett um, from the wing and Bickle more as like a four, a little bit undersized at the four. They both did a lot of intriguing things in that game. Uh, and the fact that they're still on the roster and none of the rookies that the Sun drafted are, are on the roster is uh, really interesting to me. And then uh, the Liberty have another international rookie alongside Sikakone that really intrigued me in the third and fourth quarters of that game in uh, Stephanie Mauli, who is a 24-year-old Japanese player who um, has been playing internationally with uh, the Japanese national team in both 5x5 and 3x3 uh, for a couple of years now. And she really popped off the screen for me with her uh, athleticism, her defense, and her scoring potential at all three levels. Uh, and Stephanie Mauli, I think, could be a WNBA contributor. Maybe not this year, but in the next few years, I think that she's definitely a WNBA player. And do you have any and thoughts on those three will, players? <laughs> I, will, I will jump off of that. Um, with I think so far there's been one player who's, who's stood out to me. In, one player who I did not expect to stand out to me, who did. Uh, Chicago, quote-unquote, working Morgan Birch. She was, um, she, she's a little bit older in terms of the rookie side. She's, I believe she was, she went undrafted three years ago. But she's, right now she is six foot four. She moves well in space and she appears to be able to shoot the heck out of the ball and, and put it on, and be, be able to put it on the ground and just find spaces and 
make shots. Uh, Chicago, currently a team that does not have a, exactly a lot of shot making, uh, really anywhere, but especially at the big spots. I'm very, very interested to see what she's able to do as a pick-and-pop player. She appears to be a very solid screener as well, so yeah, could be a very interesting uh, floor spacer. That is a I'd very good combo. I'd be shocked if she's not in the roster considering uh, that roster situation and also the fact that there's just not much competition for those spots at the moment. Morgan Birch and, was a third-round pick in 2019, just yeah. not undrafted, but a third-round pick. Third-round pick in 20 – yeah, back then she's also 26 years old, but – for me, I love that combo, just in terms of versatile defenders that have the ability to shoot a little bit. Um, I think that's a intriguing combinations that we see in modern basketball. But, yeah, thanks for making that much basketball your first listen today. Now make your second listen, game-to-game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Also in game-to-game covers every game across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked One can deliver. Follow game-to-game on Locked One NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.